Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Listen, listen, let's get the elephant out the room, all right? I know it is pretty well documented that I am on record saying that the Miami Heat would get swept versus the Milwaukee Bucks. But hey, could you blame me, man? I could have never, never imagined this. And we've been lit all day today, baby. What's good, y'all? Welcome back to Believe in the Miami Heat, brought to you by the Believe Network. As always, I'm your host, Anthony DiNardo, and I'm recording this the day after the Miami Heat eliminated the Milwaukee Bucks in five games. Who would have thought? And let me just tell you, today has been a party. It has been nonstop peppers. It's been nonstop uh, whatever the name of that song is, Oh, We Winning, you know, the dun 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 It's been nonstop Gloria Estefan. It's been nonstop, can you feel the heat down in your soul? Nonstop party today because the Miami Heat pulled off truly one of the all-time greatest upsets that I've ever seen in my entire life. I have a giant list of stuff I want to get through today, so we're just going to get right into it. Now, starting with the game, I want to get the negative out of the way, which is, of course, the bad officiating. At one point, the Heat were getting, like, out free throw attempted by, like, 3 to 20, something crazy like that. And John Crotty said that he was surprised. Uh, you were the only one, sir, because everybody expected some Bucks home cooking. We all know Adam Silver wanted a game seven going back into Miami. But no, sir. No, sir. Not even the Zebras were enough to stop Jimmy Butler in the Miami Heat. As, of course, the Bucks did outshoot us 45-17 from the free throw line. I'm not a guy that typically likes to complain about officiating. And when I do, I don't like to just look at the box score. Because a lot of times, a team is just more aggressive than another. And hence why you get more free throws. No one said each team has to get an even amount of free throws. But to have that kind of disparity should never happen. Not to mention the Heat were being just as aggressive as, as the Bucks. It's not like the Heat shot a ton of threes yesterday. But I was ready to get really negative in general. Uh, of course, the Heat were down 16 going into the fourth quarter. And I was ready to talk about Gabe's aggressive shot selection. Let's go with that. I was getting ready to talk about Kyle Lowry being too old, slow, and tired. He could barely get his feet off the ground on any of his jumpers in the fourth quarter. I was ready to talk about Bam Adebayo being flat-out terrible. But then... All of it changed. I will say, though, even down 16 going into the fourth quarter, I never lost hope. Uh, if there's one thing I learned after that game four when Jimmy Butler took over, of course, the Heat were down 15 in that game. Uh, I said, don't give up. Any team that has Jimmy Butler, you have a chance. Uh, and actually, part of me thought when we were down 16, part of me thought that we had the Milwaukee Bucks right where we want them, baby. Uh, so, of course, going into the fourth quarter, the Bucks didn't score for a few minutes, but it was kind of frustrating because neither did the Heat. Uh, so they, re they really didn't take advantage of those minutes. I thought it would come back to hurt them. But eventually, you had some guys step up. You had Kevin Love hit some big shots. Bam, at a bow, started to turn it on. And then you eventually got Jimmy back in, and it was a dog fight since. You had a big three by Love, and then Drew Holiday would answer. And then Jimmy would come down the middle, and then Middleton would hit just a wild three. He seemed like he couldn't miss, uh, even though his percentages were just kind of mid. But uh, going on, Giannis was getting all the calls down the stretch. Like we talked about, the officiating was horrible for many reasons. I mean, the Heat really could have had like seven chances to win the game. Uh, yeah, they could have had like seven chances. I had here, Middleton probably stepped out of bounds on that that one that he ran into the camera. Uh, Brooke Lopez, that was a violation on the jump ball. Of course, there was a huge possession at the end uh, before the jump ball, what led to the jump ball, uh, where Spo had to challenge the foul on Kyle Lowry. 
they said Lowry didn't have imminent possession. To me, the ball was right in front of him in bounce. I thought that would have been imminent possession. I guess not. Of course, it ended up going to the, the jump ball. Brooke Lopez collides into Bam. They win the jump ball. Uh, sends Drew to the line, who misses a giant free throw. Uh, Giannis was obviously, I'm looking at my notes here. Uh, Giannis was obviously terrified to take the free throws, like I was saying. That is not the sign of a star player to me. How people could call him the best player in the world and he acts like that, I don't know. But lo and behold, it went to Drew Holiday, who missed a giant, giant free throw. Uh, that left the door still open for Miami. It was only a four-point game as Gabe Vincent comes down and just puts up an absolute prayer. The type of miracle shot that never goes in, unless it seems like those always going against the Heat. But still, a miracle shot nonetheless. And, it, and he cashes it. He cashes it. And all of that culminates into some more free throws. Uh, I think Drew missed again. Someone missed again. Who remembers? It was a wild game. But two seconds left on the clock. Gabe Vincent inbounding the ball. Giannis is then the Kumbo, his seven-foot lanky ass jumping up and down, trying to disrupt the pass. And then Gabe Vincent just throws an absolute dime off a beautifully drawn play by Eric Spolster right to Jimmy Butler, who is falling to the ground. The man at like a 45-degree angle puts the ball up. No backboard, by the way, which even makes it more tough. And he cashes the shot to send the game to overtime. Uh, that last shot uh, was insane. Uh, as soon as I saw Gabe inbounding, I knew it would be tough because I saw Giannis up there uh, at the inbounds. I do think if Kevin Love was in the game, that's a pass that Kevin Love does just because he's a good passer and he's a little bit taller. But, of course, he fouled out. Uh, although, the same inbounds play is very similar to the one they, they ran versus Houston at home earlier this year. And that was Gabe Vincent that threw the pass. If y'all remember, Jimmy Butler got like a little bit of a back screen. Uh, Gabe threw the lob, and Jimmy was actually able to dunk that one. Uh, and then... After the Heat tied it up, there was still 0.8 seconds on the clock. And for some reason, Mike Budenholzer <laughs> did not call timeout. I was flabbergasted. I was stunned. Uh, I thought that the graphic on the television was wrong. Because the first thing I do when a, when a team hits like a clutch game winner and they're still like a, you know, within a second or two left is I look down to see how much time is left and I look down to see how many timeouts. Right away, I showed there was a timeout, and before I can even think, okay, they're going to have a chance at a half-court lob or maybe a deep three from Middleton off a catch off a, on the inbound, uh, I was like, okay, they're going to have to call timeout. Next thing I know, they inbound the ball to Giannis, who tries to do a Euro step for some reason, and we're going to overtime, baby. we going to overtime. That, to me, is a fireable expense by Mike Budenholzer. Uh, that, among many other things, the main reason being he sucks as a coach. Could have told y'all that in 2020, he was terrible. He got lucky that Giannis carried him to a chip, and that extended his career a couple more years. But he's no doubt about it gone. Uh, just got the notification from Sham saying uh, he was embarrassed or the Bucks were embarrassed by him, and his career is a little shaky. I don't know what shaky means, but he's gone. That's a fireable offense by him not calling timeout at the end. Not to mention calling a challenge in the first quarter on an offensive foul by Giannis which is stupid for a million reasons. One, it's the first quarter. You don't use your challenge in the first quarter. Two, if you were, at to, if you were to ever use your challenge in the first quarter, it'd be if Giannis was already in foul trouble. That would have been his first foul. So what are you doing there? You're not getting free throws out of that. And then, and then also, he lost the challenge. He, he wasted his challenge and he lost it. And he certainly could have waited to hold that to the end of the game. I, there was a couple plays uh, earlier that I wanted Spolster to use his challenge. And thank God he did not because that was able to get us that that last, uh, well, I guess they went to the jump ball, which he uh, ended up not getting anyways. But uh, 
probably would have been Middleton at the line instead of Drew. So yeah, it, it could have changed things. Uh, I remember the one time in particular I did want Spolstra to call timeout is when Giannis did like a moving screen into Struess that made Struess foul Grayson Allen on three-pointer. Ended up being a four-point play. I, I can't remember Grayson Allen hit the free throw, but y'all remember the one Allen got uh, hit on three. Seemed like what could have been a dagger at the time, but obviously the Heat ended up coming back. Uh, but yes, Gabe Vincent, inbound, Jimmy Butler, ties the game at the buzzer. This man, Jimmy Butler, is a menace. He's over there, first of all, talking trash the whole fourth quarter. We're going to get into that. But then he has the audacity to silence the whole crowd. He's he's pointing to the ear. He's saying, I can't hear you. He's shushing the crowd, saying it's real quiet in here now. That dude is a menace. And then, of course, we go into overtime. He got up as much as seven and it was wild after that. Some wild shots by Struess and Gabe. Struess thankfully got uh, bailed out. Giannis fouled, fouled him. Uh, Struess hit two or three free throws on that one. And then Gabe just took a wild shot for the win, which or for the dagger. Missed. And then, of course, we had that final crazy sequence by Milwaukee where Grayson Allen thought he was Julian Newman dribbling a thousand times when there was a second left on the clock. Uh, and, of course, they didn't get the shot up in time. And, man, when I saw that buzzer sound, when I saw that backboard light up red and I saw the ball in Grayson out in the sands, well, I was already standing. But I just started screaming. I said, that's game. Get the F out of here, bro. We were so hyped. Such a lit experience, as was that entire game. But I want to get into Jimmy Butler, man. The boy was going crazy. Followed up his 56-point performance with a 42-point night. Everyone was going crazy. I was going crazy. Now, the thing that make we know Jimmy Butler is special. We know he's a superstar. I've talked about the differences between playoff P and playoff Jimmy, what those mean, and why Jimmy Butler is, is you know, one of the best players in the league because of it. But what I, So I want to talk about this game specifically. The kind of trash talk that Jimmy Butler was doing was, and the confidence that he had doing it, that was Michael Jordan, Larry Bird stuff. I can't think of a single other player that acted the way that Jimmy does. There's that famous quote by Jordan, everybody talks trash when they're up, who does it when they're down? The man Jimmy was down six points for like two minutes to go talking trash because that's how much confidence he had that the Bucks could not stop him and that he would win this game. He was pointing to Drew Holiday, telling him how many points he has on his head. This is not no scrub. This is Drew Holiday, the dude who 99% of the league thinks is the best defender. Everybody you hear, they all say Drew's the best defender. You had Jimmy pointing to the scoreboard saying, I have this on your head. He was in Drew Holiday's head. Drew Holiday had no idea how to react, and that is some next-level trash talking. That is up there with the likes of Michael Jordan and Larry Bird. And there's nobody like Jimmy Butler because his demeanor was scary almost. Yeah, he, he was doing the trash talking, a little bit of me mugging, pointing in Drew's face, but other than that, he was smiling. He was laughing. He looked like he had a good time. And over time, he had that tough uh, fadeaway, the, the deep two that, he's, that he cast, uh, where he faked the half screen or faked the half spin, uh, faked the screen, Bam was there, went over his left shoulder, switched the, the fadeaway, and he started looking back at Drew smiling, just smiling. Jimmy Butler looked like he was just out there playing some random pickup game with his boys on a Tuesday, as opposed to an elimination game on the, on the verge of a historic upset versus the number one seed. That is some insane stuff. That is lunatic stuff. Of course, we've seen LeBron. I mean, Jimmy Butler reminds me of LeBron James, unlike anybody else I've ever seen in my entire life, the way they could take over a game, especially we've seen that for our, for our franchise. But even when, Jimmy but or when LeBron was taking over back in the day from Miami, he had this stone-cold killer look about him where you could tell he was locked in. Visually, you could see it. 
loved it about LeBron. Jimmy Butler is performing the same way. He is a killer, but he looks like he's just out there having fun. It's insane stuff. And the fact that he's able to have that demeanor, like it's just another random game with the boys, but he's out there busting the best defender's ass in the league, it's legendary stuff. Legendary. These are performances that we're going to be talking about for decades. We're going to be telling kids and our grandkids and everything like that. Truly, truly special stuff. A lot of people are saying it puts him ahead of LeBron James as far as uh, Miami Heat players. That's blasphemy. LeBron James is the greatest player of all time. You had his best four years of his career with your franchise. He will always be ahead of Jimmy Butler. I mean, unless Jimmy was to get two rings to match, maybe three. Who who knows? Who, who knows really there? But uh, I do want to give love uh, to, to some of these other guys here. Uh, Gabe Vincent deserves so much credit for that game. Now... He shot a lot. I actually can't believe he, he shot like 39%, which is terrible. It didn't feel like he was that bad. Certainly felt like he took some wild shots, had a had a playoff P side of the backboard three, fade away in the corner. Uh, of course, had that the last shot of the game from Miami, which was terrible. But he came up huge. He was aggressive early, and he gave the heat points when they needed them from somebody not named Jimmy Butler. But the, the three plays really that, that stand out for me is one, that monster three that, that allowed them to, to cut it to one and then eventually send it to overtime. That, we, we, I mean, I talked about it earlier, miracle shot, stunned that it went in, and the fact that he had the cojones to shoot it. He, coming down the court, did not look to pass, did a little hezzy pull up right away. Monster shot. Too many, and that's exactly what they needed. Only less than 10 seconds left. You had to pull a three. Too many guys nowadays come down the court, they might look for a quick two, look to pass. You don't have time for that. Come down the court and shoot the ball. You need a prayer, and if you don't shoot the prayer, you don't have a chance. So the fact that he had the IQ to not only shoot it but make the shot is legendary stuff. Then, of course, you had the monster pass to Jimmy Butler on the game-tying shot, something that is not being talked about enough. Everyone's talking about Jimmy Butler, of course, the crazy finish. But for Gabe Vincent to run that play, the timing of that play, if you don't hit that, that, that pass at the exact millisecond that he did, you, you don't get that shot off. Jimmy Butler doesn't get that shot off. And then to time it with Giannis jumping up and down to be able to see Jimmy on the curl. Of course, I'm sure they've practiced that countless times, but it's amazing stuff. The last play from game that really stands out was, was there in overtime. Out of bounds on Milwaukee. Five seconds left on the shot clock. Everybody's looking for Jimmy Butler. And Gabe Vincent has the, has the, the, the vision to see Cody Martin cutting down the middle for, middle for a wide open dunk. If I was Gabe, if I'm inbounding, I got I know I got five seconds. I'm looking for Jimmy, looking for Jimmy. But no, I watched that replay about 100 times. He was scanning the whole court, a perfectly timed cut by Cody Zeller. Beautiful find by Gabe. And that's what put Miami up seven, which really allowed them to take a lot of momentum. Although, of course, the, the ending ended up being crazy, too. Uh, who else are we going to talk about here? Let's talk about Eric Spolstra, who coached circles around Mike Budenholzer the entire series. Should not be surprised. Again, that, that inbounds play to tie the game was beautiful work. And then what I really want to talk about is his, how he switched uh, late in the game when the Heat offense was struggling. Everybody looked tired. So what did he do? He tried something different, something that I don't think he does enough necessarily. But he tried something different by putting uh, Bam at about as the primary ball handler, which put uh, Brooke Lopez and Giannis Adenokubo completely out of their defensive stances and allowed Jimmy Butler to get uh, cut and layup after cut and layup wide open monster, monster plays down the stretch, beautifully written by Eric Spolstra. That leads us perfectly right into Bam, who sucked to, to start the game. Straight up terrible. 
He was like three or three or thirteen at some point. He was awful. Now people were saying that he had uh, a great game. <laughs> I, I I don't like saying that because uh, he needs to be better, or they, or they can't beat the Bucks. I just kind of wanted to get that out of, the, or they can't beat the Knicks. Uh, I just kind of wanted to get that out of the way now because he can't keep shooting 40% or less. For a guy that takes all shots in the paint, that can't happen. So I'm not going to act like he had some incredible bounce back because for 75% of the game, he sucked. But the fourth quarter and overtime that he had was phenomenal. Of course, the defense all game was great. He did, or phenomenal, because he is the best defender in the league. That has never changed. Now, he did foul out. Of his six fouls, maybe only one of them were legitimate because Giannis was traveling every time or just running into Bam. Uh, of course, Bam was not getting that same respect. But the defense was phenomenal. Of course, came up with some monster plays down the stretch when uh, Giannis and the Bucks could not score. That was a lot of Bam and the bow. They also had some good blocks from Max Struess, too. Kyle Lowry, too. Let me go lie to you. Kyle Lowry, too. Uh, but he was great. And then, of course, you did get him to take over a little bit on the offensive end there, uh, scoring-wise. Had a couple big middies. Had one big middie to tie the game. Had, finally, a great post move, something we never see from Bam. He had Middleton on his back, hit him with a little hoo-hoo, went up with the left hand and one, and hit the free throw. Great from Bam. And then, of course, you had the playmaking. We talked about how he found Jimmy Butler. Just beautiful passes, the precision. Mm, immaculate the timing exquisite see i'm trying to find new, new adjectives over here because i realized i've said like monster seven times but it's just a monster game how about another m word how about majestic it was a majestic beautiful night that clearly i still can't get over it was a good time man it was a good time so shout out to bam at a bio for for really turning it up there at the end 20 points 10 rebounds 10 assists amazing truly truly amazing stuff especially when you put those counting stats with his defense uh it, it was a really great you know uh, second half of the night from Bam, but he does got to be better. You can't keep expecting your second best player to, to shoot 40% uh, and you win playoff games. I don't think you can keep expecting that. Now, hopefully it was a case of bad matchup with Brooke Lopez and not a case of one, Bam sucking, or two, being hurt. Uh, so hopefully he is healthy and now he'll get a little bit of a different matchup against Mitch, uh, Mitchell Robinson. I'm not sure exactly how that's going to go, uh, but uh, I certainly haven't lost hope. So we'll see what happens over there. Who else do we got on this, on this list? Kevin Love was awesome. Five threes, double-double uh, with 12 boards, I think. Had the great game one in Milwaukee. Slowed down a few games after that. Uh, and then another monster game in game five. The, the time we needed it, closeout game on the road. Toughest, toughest games of these guys' career. Uh, and you need multiple people to step up. Kevin Love did that. Even the defense was great. He fouled out too. A lot of those calls, I think, were a little cheap also, but... He was great, so he he deserves his flowers, and I, I did not want to leave him without his flowers. On the Bucks side of things, you got Giannis Antetokounmpo, thirty-eight and twenty. Uh, counting numbers look great. He sucks. The, I would hate to have someone on my team that w whenever they're at the free throw line, you have no faith that they're gonna make it. I mean, ten to twenty-three from the free throw line is pitiful. That's embarrassing. There's not an excuse for that at all. If I was a Bucks fan, I would be livid at him. You you you're the two-time MVP. Now, I know in the finals that year, in the game six where they won, he was like 17 and 19 from the free throw, and he hit it then. So it's not like he's not capable of it. But to go out there and have a performance like that, uh, if he hits one more of those free throws, maybe it never goes to overtime, and they win the game. Uh, that's pitiful. Uh, I can't have that for my franchise player. I'm glad he stayed in Milwaukee. I don't want him on my team. Keep him off my team. Chris Middleton was hot. That boy's a shooter. I actually would like him on my team. I think that he could use someone like that. He was pretty, pretty good. 
But I want to talk about Bobby Portis, who had zero points, the same amount as Udonis Haslam. Listen, I tried telling y'all Udonis Haslam is the heart and soul of its team. It's not a coincidence. The first game Bobby Portis does not score is the one where UD got in this man's head. Saying, saying Portis, you just going to walk into a huddle like that? This is a playoff, son. Get your ass the hell out of here. Go where you belong. Can't stand Bobby Portis. That being said, I also would love him in the Miami Heat jersey. <laughs> but he is not a, a free agent, unfortunately. Uh, I was getting into some conversation with some friends and other Heat fans about if uh, would Heat fans rather have Bobby Portis or Brooke Lopez because Brooke Lopez is a free agent. Both guys would be nice. Uh, I kind of lean Portis for a few reasons. One, I think Bam excels at the five. And if you had Lopez, you'd probably have to slide Bam to the four. Two, our biggest problem is rebounding. Brooke Lopez does not help that at all. And three, uh, Eric Spolster just likes to play this switchable defense where you kind of switch everything on these screens. Brooke Lopez cannot do that. Bobby Portis can. That's why I probably would prefer uh, Portis, uh, and I kind of like what he brings to the table. He's kind of one of those guys that uh, you hate when he's against you. You love when he's on your team. Uh, but either way, we, we ain't going to talk about all that now because the Miami Heat just beat the Milwaukee Bucks in five. I, you could have never, ever, ever convinced me in a million years they would have did that. Even speaking of this game last night, right? I, I got a list of things here, right? So imagine if I would have told you before the game yesterday that Giannis would finish with 38 and 20, Chris Middleton would have 33, 6 and 6, Lopez with 18 and 11, Drew with 16 and 9. So all their star players balled out. If I would have told you the Bucks outshot Miami from the free throw line, 45 attempts to 17. If I would have told you the Bucks out-rebounded us by 11 and shot better percentage from three, if I would have told you that Bam had a bio, Kevin Love, and Kyle Lowry all fouled out, that Bam shot 40%, that Haslam got a technical, that Gabe shot the ball 23 times, if I would have asked you your predictions if, with all that information presented to you, you, you would have thought that he lost by 40 points. The fact they were able to win that game after all that stuff I just said truly makes it one of the most unreal performances of all time. 16-point comeback in the fourth quarter, the, the largest comeback ever in an, in an elimination game. Truly, truly incredible. Back-to-back double-digit wins, too. They're only the sixth AC to ever advance. Uh, and, of course, like I said, the largest comeback in an elimination game ever. That's just monster stuff. I do want to talk a little bit about the post game. The one comment everybody's kind of talking about is Giannis Adenokounmpo. He was asked by the reporter who said, uh, uh, was this season a failure? And then Giannis gave some, some answers saying, oh, it's not a failure. You live and you learn, blah, blah, blah. We get better. Is Michael Jordan failed 12 times? Listen, this response aggravated me so much. It pissed me off, quite frankly, because people are sitting there acting like what Giannis said is some profound intellectual statement. No, it's stupid. Let me tell you why. Failure is a relative term. Failure is relative to expectations. Michael Jordan wasn't expected to win a championship every year in the, in the league. The Milwaukee Bucks weren't expected to win the championship every year Giannis has been in the league. But this year, when they're the number one seed, when they have more wins than anybody else and they have a top offense and a top defense and the two-time MVP Giannis Nakumbo and all the other list of players, when they're the Vegas betting odds to win the championship, and when you not only don't win the championship, when you not only lose in the first round, but you get your ass kicked, newsflash, Giannis, that's called a failure, okay? And we all understand that, yeah, in life, you're not a failure. You're, you're a very successful man. Nobody asked you if you're a failure in life. He asked, is this season a failure? 
And then we all understand that people learn from their mistakes. It's a very common saying, Giannis. I know, you, I know you're not from here. Maybe you're not familiar with the saying, learn from your mistakes. We all know people learn from their failures and improve on them in the future. That's not some profound intellectual statement that's just informed everybody. So the fact that he said something we all know and people are all on him saying, oh, well, look at him. He, he's not negative. He's using this as a learning tool and he's so smart. But what are we doing? That's kindergarten stuff he's teaching us. You're not going to win every year. There's winning and there's misery. Pat Riley said it best, and I love that quote. Last year, after the Miami Heat were eliminated by the Boston Celtics, they asked Kyle Lowry the same question. Was this season a failure? And Kyle Lowry straight up said word for word, this was a wasted season. And I love that about Kyle Lowry. And I don't like a lot of things about Kyle Lowry, but I guess I love that. Because there's winning and there's misery, and I truly believe it. If they would have asked Jimmy Butler the same question, if they would have, even if they would have lost to the Bucks this year when the Heat had no expectations, if they would have said, Jimmy, was this season a failure? He would have said, yep. Because Jimmy's here to win championships. He ain't here for all that sentimental crap. Giannis is such a loser. I'm done with him. I'm glad he's not in my organization. We've been going for 25 minutes here. That's all I really got for y'all on this topic. I am super hyped, and I'm ready to blow the living hell out of the New York Knicks, man. You telling me we just beat the Milwaukee Bucks, and I'm supposed to be scared about the Knicks? I've heard, I've heard Knicks fans saying, who's going to guard Jalen Brunson? I don't know, maybe Gabe Vincent, maybe Caleb Martin, maybe Jimmy, maybe Bam just for, for shits and giggles. Who cares, bro? Y'all the Knicks. The Knicks are going Knicks. That team doesn't scare me. And, and imagine when the Knicks fans start chanting, F Jimmy, F Jimmy. What do you think Jimmy Butler is going to do to you in the garden? It is not going to be pretty for you, but I am certainly looking forward to it. Heat and four, no doubt about it, baby. Other than that, the Panthers also got a major win in the playoffs in overtime. I just wanted to shout out them. Shout out Matthew Kachuk, and they are going back to Sunrise 3-2. Hopefully they can extend it. I did not watch a single second of that game nor the series, but I do support all the local teams. And I do keep up with the Panthers, so that'd be pretty cool because they're playing uh, an all-time team, the Boston Bruins as well. Uh, my league game, my men's league game on yesterday was fortunately canceled because the other team didn't have enough players somehow. Uh, maybe they just wanted to watch the Heat game, but it worked out for me because I got to watch the Heat game too, and I did not get to miss an all-time game live when it happened. That's all I got for y'all, though. I'm hyped the Miami Heat open up versus New York Knicks. Game one is Sunday at 1 p.m. I'm super pumped. I'll probably pod a week from today, so maybe that's a couple games in. We'll see how the series goes, though. But I'm hyped. Thank y'all for tuning in. Make sure to check out the video version of this podcast as well. If you listen on audio side, uh, you can find that by searching Anthony DiNardo on YouTube. Today in particular, you might want to check it out because I'm going to end this video with a beautiful rant video that I made, a.k.a. for the Milwaukee Bucks funeral. I hope y'all enjoy it, and I'm going to play it right now. Six points for Jimmy Butler. Gets up. A three. Good! <laughs> Butler! We did this for the Philadelphia 76ers last year, so it's only right that we did it again. And of course, 
Shout out to Dan Levitard, man. So give me my music. Give it to me again. Jim VP, the Jim Reaper, Hemi Butler, whatever you call him. He's a bad mother. The Miami Heat were without Tyler Hero. The Milwaukee Bucks were without somebody that can guard Jimmy Butler, baby. Jimmy Butler made Brooke, Drew, and Giannis look like Robin, Justin, and Thanasis. Jimmy Butler bruised his glutes, so like the Milwaukee Bucks fans, he's a little butthurt. Jimmy Butler has ice in his veins. Chris Middleton looks like Sid the Sloth from Ice Age. The sky is falling in Milwaukee, which makes sense, because Chris Middleton looks like Abby the Duck from Chicken Little. Giannis Adenokounmpo didn't show up to the podium in game four. Chris Middleton didn't show up to the game. Give it to me again, again. Mike Budenholzer let himself go. Now the Milwaukee Bucks will let him go. Jay Crowder can't hit a damn shot. Hey, Milwaukee, we get the feeling. Bobby Portis reminds me of Adam Gase. They have the same eyes and they both suck. Myers Leonard was kicked out from the league. Who the f let him back in? If I wanted to watch a slow white guy miss a ton of shots, I would have put on my highlights. Pat Connaughton should have stuck to baseball. Hitting 30% is actually considered pretty good in that sport. Last year, Goran Dragic joined the Nets to win a ring and lost in the first round. This year, Goran Dragic joined the Bucks to win a ring and lost in the first round. Give it to me again, again. Thanasis Adendakumbo led the series in multiple statistical categories, high fives, nepotism minutes, and shitty podcasts, although Duncan Robinson was a close second on that one. Grayson Allen trips opponents and is dirty. Jimmy Butler trips to your mama's house and gets dirty. I thought Bam Adebayo was soft, and then I saw Brooke Lopez. One of these bucks is named AJ Green. The other is Lindell Wigginton. Guess which is which? Who the fuck got that right? Javon Carter is just Gabe Vincent if he went bald. Feels like the whole Heat roster is only six feet. Now the Milwaukee Bucks are six feet under the ground and Brent Forbes is not walking through that door. Let's go! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.